Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Kim Grinolds of Dogman.com. Post game, Folsom Field, where Colorado defeated Washington 20 to 14 in front of an announced crowd of 44,618. Elapsed time of the game, three hours and four minutes. Temperature at kickoff, 39 degrees. Pretty much maintained that temperature. High 30s, low 40s for the entire game. Special edition of Dogman Radio. I'm here with those of you who've known me a long time. My son, Kyle Grenolds, turns 29 on Sunday. So he's at the game with me and was on the sidelines. So we kind of finagled him into doing the post-game radio with us where um, I think the uh, thing we knew we were going to go south, Kyle, when they didn't have Ralphie out there. He was supposed to be out there, be retired. Instead, they put some reins on the mascot and made him run. It was kind of weird looking, but uh, boy, it's the start of a bad night right then and there. I knew when Ralphie wasn't coming out that it wasn't it wasn't going to be good, you know, but uh, Ralphie's getting old, and uh, I didn't want to get hit by a buffalo out there. So, yeah. <laughs> um, starting this... The team looks lost. I mean, the, the offense looks broken. You know, we thought that they would be able to come out of this little bit of a funk, especially against a defense like Oregon State, and then with another bye week, and then going against Colorado, where uh, their defense isn't great. They've got a lot of holes out there, but uh, Washington seemed to get pushed around on both sides of the ball. You know, the score says 14 to 20, and we had a chance there at the end, but, you know, there was two plays in this game, that pass interference call that I didn't think was really pass interference that really bailed us out, and that drop pass by LaVisca Chenault. If LaVisca Chenault didn't drop that pass, this game would have been broken wide open. Yeah, you know, um, that wasn't a pass interference. I was shocked it was called. And the one on LaVisca Chenault where uh, he dropped the pass, he was wide open. Keith Taylor slipped and yeah. fell and he was wide open, and they, they did hold LaVisca Chenault in check, you know, f considering who it was, but um, he has seven receptions for 100 yards, seven receptions for 105 yards. Yeah. That's LaVisca Chenault, but they were able to hold him on a fourth down, and that's the, only the first time this year he's been unsuccessful run in the Wildcat. Yeah, if you don't know who LaVisca Chenault is, he's going to be a first-round pick. The guy is explosive. I was leaving the game, um, and and I overheard a Colorado fan go, you know, we need to get this guy the ball more. And it's like he, the the way he's explosive and, and he gets the ball and yards after catch, he lines up in the backfield. The thing that I thought was interesting um, from where we were standing is um, they had Trent McDuffie on him all night, and you're sitting here going, why, why are we having a, a, a true freshman on him? But it's kind of like that, that Seahawks defense where they don't move around, where uh, Keith Taylor's playing the right side all night. And, you know, seven for 100 may seem like a lot, but he could have had a lot more. 
Trent McDuffie should have had a pick six at yeah. the goal line. You yeah. know, that pass was to LaVisca Chenault, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, right at the goal line, it looked like it hit him in the hands. And then LaVisca Chenault burned him again on the touchdown pass where he appeared to be in perfect condition, uh, perfect position, and just seemed to take the ball away from him for a touchdown to take a 13 to nothing lead. Yeah. You said offense lost. And, you know, I'm looking through the stat sheet, and the thing that jumped out on me is uh, Richard Newton, 12 carries for 35 yards in save on. Uh, 13 carries for 37 yards. You know, they couldn't get the run established, which couldn't get the pass established. They didn't have any big plays on the night. There was one big play to Hunter Bryant that was 29 yards. But other than that, you you know, our longest plays from our receivers, 12 yards, 18 yards, 15 yards, they just weren't getting the ball downfield. Colorado outgained Washington on the ground 207 to 32. 207 to 32. And when your passing game's struggling and you're only able to get 32 yards of offense, wow. I mean, there was a couple times tonight where I had to rub my eyes and go, is that Lamar Jackson out there? Is that Steven Montez? I'm like, first of all, this guy's been here forever, but he looked good tonight. And I don't know if, if we made him look good or if he is really that good. I don't think he's that good. <laughs> I don't think he's that good either. I don't, but, you know, they had him in the grasp several times. They were only able to get to him once. They only had one sack, but uh, they were only able to get to him once where Colorado was able to get to Jacob Eason five times. But, uh, you know, uh, Jackson Kirkland went out early in the game. It looked like a pretty severe knee injury. I'm guessing he's probably going to be done for the year. Henry Bainavalu went in for him, and he got trucked a couple of times. But, you know, this is a big offensive line that's got a lot of experience, and they were getting pushed around, Kyle. I just, it just, everything seemed vanilla to me. You know, when Kamari Pleasant came in, you knew they were passing it. You, they were, you know, they were running the ball on second and nine and getting a yard. It just, like, they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. And other than that double pass that, you know, got deflected, that was probably the one exciting part of the night, and it was an incomplete pass. Well, it just seems like Washington's playing in a phone booth. Everything is played within the hash marks, the short passes, the short passing game, the running game. Uh, it looks like a predictable offense. And when they are going deep, they seem to be going deep when they're playing in two deep safeties and not being able to get much there. When you take a look at Hunter Bryant, who a lot of people think is going to be a high draft choice, you know, since the injury, he hasn't been anywhere near as explosive as he has in the past. On the uh, fourth down pass, it was incomplete to Hunter Bryant. Jordan Chin was running down the middle of the field unchecked as well. Yeah, I mean, this was my first game this year on the sidelines, and if there was, you know, one thing that I took away, Eason is staring down his receivers, and you kind of know where the ball is going. Like, just that play where where Hunter Bryant had two, three guys. You know, pre-snap. Yeah, on him. And Jordan Chin was wide open, and all he needed to do was wait one second, and that would have been a touchdown. That would have been a go-ahead touchdown. You have an uber-talented quarterback who doesn't look confident in any of his wide receivers. It doesn't look like uh, Aaron Fuller is back to 100%, but Aaron Fuller's just a guy. He's not a standout wide receiver. Hunter Bryant has lost some explosiveness. Terrell Bryant, uh, Terrell Bynum has shown moments, but uh, you know when uh, Easton's looking downfield, it just doesn't look like anybody's open. And then on top of that, he's under siege back there at quarterback. I mean, just this is an offensive line that's not protecting anywhere near like they should be. You know, we were in the end zone, uh, the both of the end zones for most of the game. And when Eason does that turn that Russell Wilson, that you know, yeah, we yeah. all are so used to watching Russ. And as soon as Russ does that, something magical is going to happen. As soon as Jake does that, he's getting a 12-yard sack and it's over. 
He doesn't handle being under pressure very well. I mean, he had one on a, I think it was a fourth down where he threw it well. He was getting hit, but, uh, you know, he doesn't step up in the pocket very well, you know, and I give him credit. He came and faced the media after the game. He didn't have to, but ever since the BYU game, he hasn't been the same quarterback. And, you know, you could kind of tell, you know, just take a listen to the Dogman radio and listen to, I always say, you know, you can listen to read quotes, but that doesn't tell the whole story. You know, when you listen to the audio and hear the tone that's being used, it speaks volumes at time. Listen to Coach Pete post game. Listen to the audio. He was obviously frustrated with the passing game, and uh, you know, you always, I, you know, I've been confident all season, Kyle, that I thought that they could turn this thing around. The offense is broken. This just doesn't work. Yeah, something, something needs to change. And I'll, I'll be, we're on a short week with the Apple Cup, so I don't think you're going to see anything major. But just you know, bubble screens out to Will Fuller. Their identity towards the beginning of the year. That's what they do. They Aaron throw. Fuller. Aaron Fuller. Did I say Will Fuller? Yeah. Sorry. He had a big game this week. Um, just those bubble screens and just things when, when the offense isn't moving, just some creativity to get, you know, Savon out in space and just anything. Savon Ahmed had 13 carries for how many yards? 37 yards. Yeah, 13 carries for 37 yards. Uh, Richard Newton, 12 carries for 32 yards. Uh, Jacob Eason, 31, uh, excuse me, 21 of 34 for 206 yards. One interception, but uh, he had five sacks. And five sacks doesn't tell the story because, like I said, he was under siege quite a bit of the time. And just looking down the stat sheet, you know, first downs, Colorado, 23 to 17. The, the rushing yards just killed them. Uh, 207 yards to 32 uh, for Washington. Passing yards, uh, passing yards, 223 to 206. You're just not going to win many games with that. Um, Joel Whitford had seven punts, seven punts. And the key third down conversion, Washington again, six of 17, Colorado, five of 13. But it seemed like the third downs that they did convert were uh, huge. Uh, five five sacks by Colorado, too. Uh Eddie Ulafosio was a leading tackler with 11, uh, Jackson Sermon with 6, and uh, Stephen Montez, 17 of 28 for 223. Alex Fontenot, 20, um, 24 carries for 105 yards. So This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Um, but when you take a look at what Easton's doing back in the pocket, he doesn't look comfortable, and he doesn't look like he trusts his receivers, Kyle. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like we could sit here and talk about the offense all day, and I think that there is some something to be said about the defense because I will say this, as bad as the offense looked there, towards the end of the game, they were driving and they were scoring the football. And, you know, we pin them down at the one-yard line, and then we get an offsides penalty, and then – Montez rushes the ball up the middle for 15 yards. 12 yards on a quarterback sneak. Yeah, on a quarterback sneak. 12 yards on a quarterback sneak. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of missed tackles. I mean, there. I felt like the D-line played great tonight, but no one – they kept getting to Montez, but no one could wrap him up, and he would leak out of the pocket and dump the ball off for five yards, and 
it didn't seem like anybody was containing him at all. Well, there again, in the first half, and especially in the first quarter, every time Washington got the ball, it was deep in their territory. And then, you know, when they finally did get a drive going, Jacob Easton throws a pick. Yeah. They throw into Hunter Bryant, who was covered. Yeah, that doesn't really help your defense. No, I mean, they were they were coming from behind the whole first quarter, and they just couldn't seem to get that spark. And, you know, that's the problem. When, just when you take a look at this offense, Kyle, you know, the playmakers, they're just not there. Savan Ahmed uh, can be that guy, but they've got him running between the tackles, and I don't think that's game where I don't think they're getting him in space and utilizing him enough. He's getting beat up running between the tackles, and that's not his game. But who else are the playmakers? Where was Chico McClatcher today? I mean, there was that one play where he went deep where Eason overthrew him for about five yards. We were right there on the 20-yard line, and he had his his defender beat by like three or four steps, and Eason just aired the ball five yards too far, and that would have been a touchdown right there. A call, I mean, props to Colorado. They held Washington in check. Washington has one to two huge plays every game, and they did not allow it at all tonight. Well, and I I really encourage everybody to listen to the audio, just not only, uh, you know, for tonight's game, but uh, go back and listen to Coach Pete on Thursday, go back and listen to him on Wednesday, and there's definitely some frustration. And I've been talking about this for a while, the entire offseason, you know, uh, we were hearing the words fix the offense. We were hearing it from it from the administrators. We were hearing it from uh, boosters. We were hearing it from parents. We were hearing it from players. And, you know, they incorp- we heard that they were incorporating some aspects of the air raid, which is just extending the running game. And it looks like they did incorporate some of that, but uh, it's not working. I mean, it's really not working. They're just, and Kyle, you saw this, even the completions that Eason had, how many times did he complete passes where guys were really wide open? Yeah. Where they had separation yeah. and they were open. Yeah, I mean, earlier this year, the theme was drop passes, you know, and he was, yeah, it just, I don't I don't even know what to say about him, to be honest. It's, it's crazy because... There's, there were pretty much every scout for an NFL team who needed a quarterback was there tonight. You had the Carolina Panther scout, you had the Charger scout watching Eason warm up, and it's just like you look at this guy and you see all the ability, but it just is it's never put together well, in they, a game. And like I said, you know, it just looks like they're throwing, you know, they're running this offense, but in a phone booth at times, yeah. you know, and the only time they're going wide is they're going the quick outs, and you know, the playmaker that they do have in Savon Ahmed, they're they're not able to get him in space. They're not able to get guys deep, and you know, when you're depending on your deep guys to be Andre Pacelli and Jordan Chen. There's probably a problem there. Marcus Spiker didn't do anything tonight. Ty Jones was in the game. He didn't do anything tonight. Um, Austin Osborne, we didn't see him. Uh, did, I don't. I don't know if Chico McClatcher even played tonight. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm really curious to see what happens next week if if Peterson just pulls out a bunch of stuff. You know, Wazoo beat Oregon State tonight, 54 to 53, and they're going to come into Husky Stadium and just throw the ball over the place. And we'll see if the defense can can stop it. But if not, it's going to be an offensive battle. And from what I saw tonight, I don't know how that's going to work out. I'm worried that, you know, is Washington going to be able to score enough points to beat Washington State? The defensive game plan, um, you know, that they've used since uh, Pete's been here has been really effective with Jimmy Lake. But, you know, it, this was a totally different looking defense that we saw tonight than we saw versus Oregon State where they – 
you know, held them, what, to 119 yards. But, uh, you know, if they play that way against Oregon State, they have a chance. But if they play like they did tonight, they're going to get killed. Yeah. I mean, early in the year when Richard Newton was running his best, you know, when they establish that run and get those guys going, you know, and get save on where he can wiggle in space, you know, it's just really – I'm going to be really curious to see what, what kind of offense they bring on Friday. Jackson Kirkland, you know, they lose Jackson. They put in Henry Bainavalu, you know, and he had a couple of penalties on him. But, you know, he's a talented guy. But, you know, everybody's talking about Bush Hamden and, you know, his head, his head on a chopping block. But, you know, when you bring back as many experienced starters as this team has on the offensive line, this offensive line has underperformed all year. Yeah. I think I think one of the things that I took away leaving is, you know, I think every single Husky fan put Jacob Eason on a huge pedestal and had huge expectations for him. And uh, it'd be really interesting to see what this team would be if uh, Jacob Sermon was the quarterback this year and the record was the same thing. Because I feel like because Eason transferred and he had all this hoopla, five-star NFL, the expectations were through the roof, but it kind of clouded these other areas of concern. The guy I think's getting off a little bit scot-free. God, no pun intended, Scott Huff, the offensive line coach. But, uh, you know, they didn't get it done tonight. In many games, they haven't got it done. Um, it's going to be an interesting game against uh, Washington State coming up a uh, short week. I mean, the team didn't get out of here till what, midnight, probably 1 o'clock in the morning, which means they're not going to get back to Seattle till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. And I don't think they're going to get that off day with the, uh, you know, they'll probably get an off day on Sunday, but uh, that's kind of rough. Yeah, five sacks tonight for Colorado, five sacks. Easton was on the ground a lot. He was under pressure a lot yeah. more than that. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and cut this short. Um, it's good to have Kyle here, and those who've known me a long time, probably, you know, we've been doing this 20 years. Kyle turns 29. He's all grown up. So those who've known me for a long time since Kyle was just a little guy, uh, it's great to be back here. We had a chance to go to the Denver Nuggets game yesterday, save our Sonics. It was really sad imagining Denver having a team and then going in there and seeing the Sonics not having uh, a team, you know, in Seattle. But, uh, you know, we had a good time back here in Colorado. So uh, just final thoughts, maybe give people a little bit of an idea of what it's like to be on the sidelines. It's it's pretty wild, and and there were a lot of Husky fans here tonight, and uh, I've been on the sidelines for uh, college game day games, and this game, it was a little less tense. I feel like the bigger the game, the more tense it is, but just being able to see guys um, come in and out, watching guys get hurt on the sidelines, seeing what, it's it's just a crazy experience, and especially in the end zone, being able to watch Eason uh, change the plays and just stuff like that. It's it's a pretty cool experience. But like I said before, I was kind of nervous about Ralphie, so I'm glad that he didn't run out there. But, yeah. <laughs> it's been a tough year uh, for football, and um, – just, you know, we appreciate all you guys hanging with us. We understand the frustration, but, you know, we're just going to ask you guys, take a step back. If you're angry, you know, I always have this thing. I don't make phone calls when I'm angry. I don't send emails when I'm angry. I cool off a little bit. And when you guys are angry, you might need to step away from the message boards for a little bit because it just makes our jobs that much more difficult. And all of a sudden, we're spending time dealing with individuals and dealing with message board stuff instead of generating great content, making the phone calls, finding out what's happening, follow up on recruiting. We'd much rather spend our time dealing with that than dealing with problem posters out of the message boards who can't control their emotions and temper. 
campers. We get the frustration, but just help us out a bit. Um, it's going to be an interesting week with Washington State. What team are we going to see? Are we going to see the defense that we saw against Oregon State? Are we going to see the defense we saw tonight? It's going to be an interesting week. But Apple Cup, it's going to be sold out, and uh, you know, Husky Stadium will be rocking, which always makes it fun. So um, for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds, along with Kyle Grenolds. Go dogs. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.